Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. We're back. Good morning, Movement Church. Are you guys excited? Are you as excited as I am? Oh, this is going to be a good Sunday then. You know, I don't know if I've opened the app. Would you mind pulling that up there? That'd be great. Um, I'm I'm excited. We're starting a brand new series today called All In, and uh, this will be about a four-week series. Uh, If you're new to the church, we do uh, sermons. We put them into a series, usually between four and six weeks, and it's kind of like a book, so each Sunday represents a different chapter. So if you miss a Sunday, it's okay. We just judge you harshly, but you can go on. I'm kidding. You go online to our podcast, and you can pull up any of the previous Sunday's sermons, and it'll be good. A lot of times they, they build together, so you don't want to miss, and, and uh, this is the very, very beginning, so you chose the right Sunday to be a part of. But before I dive into that, I just want to tell you about something I'm, I'm really excited about, and I, I really want you to make plans to be a part of. Everybody say March 4th. Come on, like you mean it, March 4th. March 4th, we are doing what's called a Legacy Gala. Everybody say Legacy Gala. Now, there's a lot of contention on whether it's called Gala or Gala, but for the sake of today, we're going to call it a Gala. And, and here's what it is. It's going to kind of culminate this whole series, and uh, we're going to be doing it. It's kind of a, an evening party on a Sunday night at a different location. It's gonna, we've rented a top kind of loft upstairs area in the Kaleidoscope. It's a pretty cool spot. And and uh, it's going to be exciting, but here's what I want to ask. I really would like for those of you that call the Movement Church home, for those of you that are considering or kind of on the fence, not sure what it is you think or believe, if you fit into any of those categories, I would like for you to come out and be a part. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to take an evening and really unpack what this next year is about and, and the upcoming years. And I'm just going to challenge you to be all in. And so I would love for everybody to be there. It's a free event. And everyone is invited, but you will actually have to RSVP so that we can make sure we have everything to accommodate everyone that's there. So please make plans. In fact, I'm asking desperately, asking desperately as your pastor or maybe a potential pastor, if you're still not sure what you feel about the movement church, would you make plans, cancel anything you normally do, and come and hang out with us on Sunday, March 4th, at 7 p.m., I think it'll be well worth your time. I really do. And let me just say this. If I can maybe put some people at ease, at the Movement Church, it's okay to belong before you believe. I don't really ever expect everyone to believe every word that I say as the greatest truth. I mean, it is, but you don't have to believe that. But what we would ask is just take this journey with us. I'm going to talk about that some today. And, and really what I would say is this, this is like from the bottom of my heart. If the Movement Church isn't right for you, that's okay. Let us know. We'll help you find a great church. We are committed to what God is doing in the church and not just our church. And and in fact, I'm going to unpack what that looks like and sounds like throughout today. But I really do mean that. I'm not just trying to give you a sales pitch. I actually believe what I'm saying so much that if you're to say, hey, this church doesn't really feel right. We can have a conversation, and I'll point you in the direction of some other great pastors in this region, in this city, who are doing great things just because we know. Hey, look at me for one second. 
I don't just know, but I believe at the core of who I am, the greatest days of your life are attached to what God is doing through the local church. And I don't want you to miss that. I've given my life to that. And I hope and pray that the Movement Church is the home for you. And we're going to talk about that in this series. But you've got to make that decision. And I'd encourage you to lean into God for it. Is that cool? In fact, let's just take a moment right now and pray as we dive into this series. And as, as we do every week, I would ask you to open your heart and your mind and your ears to just hear and receive whatever it is that God may be trying to do in your life and in mine. Can we do Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. God, we just thank you that you're here already. And as the song says, you are good. That you're never going to let us down, no matter what we're walking through. But God, we recognize that we also have ownership in this and a part to play. And so today, we're not here just to punch the church clock, but we're here to learn, to grow, and to become who you've called us to be. So God, I just pray you'd help us to see that right now. As we lean into who you are and what you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. We're starting a series called All In, and it's the, the idea, the theme of this comes from poker. Now, I'm not an advocate for nor against poker. If you have an addiction issue, we would love to help you walk through that. I don't care if you like poker or don't like poker. I just want to use the term in reference to a specific game that you might play called Texas Hold'em. Has anyone ever played this game before? Has anybody ever lost money to this game? Okay, thank you for your honesty. We're praying for you. And so uh, there, there's a time in the game where uh, a player believes wholeheartedly in the hand that he has been dealt that he, he or she stops making small bets and he looks at the entirety of his chips and he slides them to the center of the table and he says emphatically and with confidence, I'm all in. In other words, I believe so much in the hand that I'm holding that I'm willing to bet it all. I'm willing to risk me being able to play this game any longer tonight on the two cards that I'm holding in my hand and the community of cards that are out on the table. And if you do it well, you stand with confidence and you shove your chips into the center. I don't know, I've just heard of these things. And you shove your chips into the center of the table. And if you're really confident, you take your cards and you flop them over where everybody can see. And you stand up and you push back from the table, knowing with confidence, because I've just bet everything I had on the game that I'm playing. And I want to just challenge you as individuals today. That you and I are called to go all in in this life. In fact, all of us are. You are all in for something. You are standing for, believing in, and you've aligned your livelihood with something. And I want to challenge you over the course of the next four weeks that I believe emphatically that God has called us to go all in on something very specific. To wage everything we have on a specific way to live life. And that's what this series is about. In fact, Jesus kind of launched into this in, in Matthew, which is in the New Testament of the Bible. And, and he, he was really uh, in, this, in this place where he was teaching and some religious leaders came up and they tried to trick him, to corner him and to, 
to, to kind of trip him up and perhaps even get the, the crowd that he had rallied to turn against him. And they said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied in Matthew 22, he said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. What Jesus was saying is that the first commandment is that we've got to go all in. That we give God not just a portion of who we are, not just a little bit of who we are, but that we go all in. Everybody say all in. He says, hey, I don't want just a portion of your heart, a portion of your soul, a portion of your mind. I don't want the sloppy leftovers after your long week. Man, I want all of you. And that's good news for us. Sometimes there are people in this room who don't feel like we deserve to be around God that much. Or maybe he can only see a portion of who we are. But there are some parts of us that we think, man... I don't think God needs to see that. I don't think he needs to be involved. He'd be disappointed. But God is saying, I want the good stuff and the bad stuff. I want you all in. And so the question I think is worth asking is, what is it that keeps us from going all in? What is it that keeps us from going all in? If I love Jesus, then I'll follow him. Again, if you're here and you're not sure what you believe, permission to belong before you believe. But those of you that say, I'm a follower of Jesus, then I actually have to follow him, which means I've got to trust him. But I believe if most of us were honest, we would say we're willing to trust, but we don't always fully trust him. We trust a lot of the things that he says. You're never going to let sometimes, you're never going to let me down. Sometimes I think, I hope and pray. I'll sing it really loud, but I don't really believe it. I might just rap right now. I feel it. Woo! Woo! Y'all feel that right there? I hope I'm not embarrassing you, but I mean, you're never going to let. I might just sing it all day. I think sometimes we want an all-in blessing, but with just a part-time faith. I think that's worth writing down, and I, I think I'm guilty of it. I want all that God has to offer, but I don't want to give him all that I have to offer. We're really good at it, actually. We want a big payoff from God, but with just a small buy-in. Just a couple chips in, but God, I want the fullness. And this series is about going all in. And I hope and I pray that this series actually challenges each of us at our core. In fact, I hope that, that we always are challenged by what is coming from this pulpit, whether it's a worship journey or a sermon. But I will, my hope and prayer is that we're challenged, not, not just to, that we're a failure. That's not the hope. But the challenge would be that we leave either changing or willing to change. And I think that there's a, a great thing to live a life for. In fact, in Mark 8, 36, Jesus said this again. What does it profit a man? To gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Mark, the author of this gospel, he's reiterating what Jesus said. And he's saying we're going all in for something, but are we going in for the right things? Are we going all in for the life that's the life we're called to live? Jesus is challenging us what we need to actually go all in for. He's saying there's something specific that we need to go 
all in for? What does it gain the world? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul? And I think one of the things, one of the chief components is that Jesus is in the driver's seat permanently. We talked about this in our previous series called Surrender, that Jesus needs to be in the driver's seat of our life permanently. But I believe many of us, uh, instead of inviting him into the driver's seat permanently, we treat him like an Uber driver. We really do. I downloaded the app because I was told I was supposed to. And then I tell him where to pick me up and then where to drop me off. So in other words, I invite him into my life when it's convenient for me or when I need it the most. So, hey, oh, Jesus, I need a ride. I don't know why you did that, but it's weird. I need you to come pick me up. Here's what I, here's what I need from you today. Here's what I need this week. My husband's being an extreme knucklehead, and I really need this this week. I don't know if I can handle my kids right now. Can you give me this today? And then just drop me off, and I'll be good, and I may be back next Sunday. And then just like we would with an Uber driver, if our experience is good enough, we decide we may tip him. Just listen, I, I hate to say this, but the truth is <laughs> there's a direct correlation to who's on the throne of my life and what's happening with my pocketbook. I mean, it's just the truth. And in this series, we're going to talk about that some. And I know that's challenging because some people just go, I knew it. Churches always talk about money. And so do you. In fact, most of the arguments you have with your wife are about money. And your frustrations are probably because you feel like you don't have enough money. And man, you got to start putting money aside because you got kids that are going to college. And then if you're like me, you got two girls, I got to pay for cars, college, and a wedding. Lord, help me. Jesus. So yeah, it would actually kind of make sense that God would have an idea about how to handle our money too. So we're going to talk about that in this series. Not today. Everybody take a deep breath. I won't tell you which one. You got you to take a risk. If we don't see you for four weeks, we'll know why. <laughs> won't have to check the tithing record. We'll know. <laughs> it's Super Bowl Sunday. I don't think any of y'all would be here, so I just didn't actually prepare a sermon. I'm just making this up as we go. <laughs> uh, going, going all in. <laughs> going all in means I, I quit living my life for me. That's what it, it really comes down to is I quit living my life for me. And, you know, so it's just amazing how... How much we, we build our life and center our life around stuff and stuff we don't even need. It's one of the reasons we work harder to get more money is because we want more stuff. And you can insert whatever word you want for the word stuff. It could be a, a home or a larger home or a smaller home or a car or a larger car or a smaller car. I mean, it's just stuff. And we just end up buying stuff that starts out in the living room, and then somehow it ends up making its way to the junk drawer. Anybody else have a junk drawer? You ever wonder why we have that? Why do, what do we call it? A junk drawer. And about every three months, you open it, and you stab your hand trying to grab a pen with something else that's in there. And so in a fit of rage, you just throw it all away, and you start all over again. And if you, if for whatever reason, maybe you have a junk, like, Tupperware tote. Is Tupperware even a word anymore? I don't know. It's, a, it's like one of those big old totes. It's not even a junk drawer. It's like you just don't, I cleaned off my porch a few months ago, and I had two Tupperware totes, a rubber. Is Tupperware a thing anymore? 
Rubbermaid totes. And uh, they literally had been there so long, there was a decomposed dead rat underneath one of them. And it was so decomposed, it had probably been a year and a half. Don't ever come to my house. It's filth. No, I'm kidding. And I just didn't even look through those totes because I realized if that rat had been dead for that long, I obviously haven't moved these things. I don't need to know what's in them, right? Can I get an amen from some people? Okay, I feel like we need to get some freedom here. How many of y'all are hoarders? If your spouse is a hoarder, raise your hand right now. Yes, I thank you. We're praying for you. Oh, somebody's got beat up. Holy cow. We're praying for freedom for you too. Man, listen, all that about, we, we just, our stuff, or the, the desire to gain stuff, it becomes so important or more important than it should be in our life. And, and I'm not just talking about stuff that goes in a junk jewelry. All of us have the stuff that becomes too important. The scripture would call them an idol. And you think that sounds silly because in your mind you think of Raiders of the Lost Ark or Indiana Jones grabbing a, a golden idol off of something while arrows are shooting past him in the middle of the movie. But it's more than just a statue in the form of a god. An idol is anything that takes away my devotion from God. Anything that takes away my devotion. It could be your career. It literally could be your career. It could be something you're focused. It could be a hobby. It, it literally, say, listen, I, it could be your kids. Anything that takes away, are you saying I shouldn't love my kids? Yes, I'm saying that actually. <laughs> no. But if they take away your devotion from God, then maybe it's an idol. It's amazing to me how many people have been married for 15, 20 plus years and they get to this place where their kids leave and they don't know how to be married anymore because their whole world was their kids. I can't wait till my kids leave. <laughs> I'm going to walk around naked every day. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Stop visualizing. That's weird. <laughs> I'm assuming no one will be here for second service as well, so <laughs> you may want to come back. What what has the potential to take your devotion away from God? That's the question worth asking, not your neighbor, not your, your hoarding spouse. What has the potential to take your devotion away from God? I think, I think maybe if you could identify that, you and I, we might just be one decision away from a breakthrough. Like a, a real breakthrough. And maybe that term is foreign to you, so the change you've been waiting for. Or just that one thing you just know, like there's just this wall, this hurdle, I can't get past it. And I believe it has everything to do with going all in with God. I, I really do believe that. In fact, there's a whole story in the scripture found in, in the book of Joshua. And I mean, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but, but Joshua was this chief leader for the children of Israel. And you probably know this. He was the guy who took over for Moses, and, and, and they got, came out of the land of Egypt. You've probably seen the Prince of Egypt, or if you're really, you know, more old, you may have seen Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. Anyone? Yeah, all right. You're not old, but that's great. Congratulations. And, uh, and so you may know this story, and so they were in, in slavery for 400 years, and they were praying, God, we need a breakthrough. God, we need a breakthrough. God, we need a breakthrough. And God said, I've got a promised land for you. I've got a promised land for you. In other words, a land that is promised to you. I have a 
destiny for you. I have something ahead of you. What you're in right now is not the fullness of what I have for you. Where you are right now is not where I'm taking you. I have something more for you. I have breakthrough for 400 years. They prayed, God, send somebody, send somebody. And he sends Moses. And, and then I don't have time to go into the details, but they, they got kind of whiny about it. And they didn't go all in after God had pulled them all out of Egypt. They didn't stay all in with God. In fact, they actually formed and fashioned an idol while they were in the desert after God had delivered them from the thing they were praying for. They just went right back to it. And I think you and I can relate. We're so good at realizing I got to make a change only to shift my focus and attention to something else that takes away my devotion from who God is. I'm preaching way better than your amen. That wasn't even in my notes. And they're praying, God, give us a promise, saying for 40 years they wandered the desert. Why? Because God was more concerned with them being all in than he was with the destination for them. So he said, you just hang out in the desert. No, take another lap. No, take another lap. No, you just keep it up. Why? Because I don't care about where you're going as much as I care about getting all of who you are. Man. And they kept missing it till finally a generation arose and said, okay, we're done with the desert. We'll be all in. And God said, it's about time. And he raises up a new leader named Joshua. And he says, Joshua, I have called you to go in and inherit the land that is already yours. It's not, you don't actually have to even worry. It's yours. I have already given it to you. Now, you have to fight for it, but it's yours. Are you all tracking with me today? They had to cross a river first called the Jordan. And then they were going to go and fight the very first city because there were inhabitants in the land. Listen, God has a destiny, but that doesn't mean it's going to be free. You're going to have to fight for it. You need to know that nothing in this life comes for free. Nothing in this life is easy. Anyone who tells you that is a cult leader or they're selling you something. He says, I've got this for you. You have to fight for it. He came to the city called Jericho. You've heard this story. If you watch VeggieTales, you've seen him throw Slurpees at the people down below. Oh, now I captured some people. They're going to go in and fight this land that is full of giants. And so Joshua is getting everyone prepared and he talks to the people and he says this in Joshua chapter 3 verse 5, one simple statement. He said, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you consecrate just means to prepare really you know what what it really means is yielding ourselves in devotion and service to God now yielding that's not a word we use very often unless you're come up to maybe a right hand lane that merges into traffic and yield is that little triangle sign right y'all remember right and you slow down and you watch for the traffic and you give them the right of way and that's what consecrate is doing saying, I'm giving God you the right of way in my life. Joshua said, hey, go consecrate. Why? For tomorrow, something amazing is going to happen. He said, hey, let's go all in with God because he's taking us to the promised land. And hey, I, I don't know all of you in this room but look at me in the eyes for one moment. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God has a promised land for each of you, a destiny, a unique purpose. And, and really, 
not a utopaic experience, but a life of fulfillment. But, but the word here is saying we've got to actually get our life aligned. We've got to be all in with God or we may be walking in the desert for a couple months, years, or decades. So let's be believers. And, and more importantly, let's be a church that doesn't just talk about it, but we actually apply this to our life. I want to just give you in the last 10 minutes we're together just three things. And, and if you're not taking notes, I'd encourage you to do so. You can text the word notes, and I may have missed it. Maybe some of you already do that to the number that we use all the time. And, and you can follow along with my notes that are in our app for you version. And so uh, follow along. But three things to being all in. Can we do that today? Yeah. All right. You already say three things. All right. Number one, all in is the call of Jesus to his followers. Being all in is the call of Jesus to his followers. Everybody say that's good. It was a pause so I could take a sip. All in means I am, that's the call of Jesus to his followers. And in other words, to be all in. Remember that first commandment. This is what Jesus wants from those of us who say, hey, I've given you my life. Jesus didn't die to make us safe. Jesus went all in for us. He didn't die to make us safe. He died to make us dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. You see, what you may not realize is God didn't just want to give an insurance policy, get out of hell free thing. He said, no, no, I've got a great life and you actually have an impact to make in the community that you live in. He gave you life or me life so that we can bring life to others. Not just so we can hold on and hoard on to the things that God has done in our life. This is not an insurance plan. It's a daring adventure, and you need to know that. It's a daring adventure. Some of you think you've been living a boring life. You're just living it wrong. Man, when we go all in, it is anything but boring. That's why I put eye cream on under my eyes so you don't see those bags. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. It's cheap. My wife found it. It's called Ordinary. Just going to throw that out there. That was a lot funnier than you laughed. Maybe because you think I'm joking, but I really do have eye cream on right now. Mark, look at this. Mark chapter 8, verse 35 says this. Again, we read the scripture. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. I mean, that, that just sums up our generation right there working so desperately to accomplish something, to buy something, to achieve something, and living a life so devoid of life that they get to a place where they're wondering, what is the meaning of what I'm doing? And here Jesus says, if you're willing just to give up everything, I'll show you a life worth everything. Being all in to the cause of Christ, by the way, is not a radical notion, it's normal. It doesn't mean you have to wear a Jesus t-shirt and get on your desk at your work and scream, turn or burn. In fact, please don't, or don't come back to this church. <laughs> we'll tell you some other churches you can go to down the street. So what is it that keeps you from going all in? Maybe it's uncertainty. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's more of a personal notion. I, I think, honestly, sometimes our biggest challenge is is us stepping off the proverbial throne of our own life. And we, we like to sit on that throne, that whole concept of yielding, consecrating, surrender. And we have such a struggle actually stepping up. We like to hang out there and be the one in charge. 
And sometimes we think that we can sit next to God on the throne of our life. But it doesn't work like that. That's being kind of him, not all in. There's a, a guy named Nicholas Copernicus. It's a good name to name your next child. How many, anybody ever heard of Nicholas Copernicus? Oh, wow. Go to school. Don't be a fool. Get an education. Little. All right. Thanks, Megan. Anytime your wife's like, all right, that's a good time to move on. Nicholas Copernicus, he, he challenged the belief that the earth was not the center of the universe, but rather the sun was. And he literally turned the world upside down with this. And I think some of us in this room need to realize that you are not the center of the universe. Jesus is. But we're living, somebody just elbowed your husband. Like, he's talking, you stop that. Jesus is the center of the universe. You know, when you're born as a, as a baby, all you have to do is cry, and just basically every need is met, right? From feeding to changing to swaddling to napping to drooling to everything. You just cry, and every need is met. And that's fine when you're three months old and four months old, but it's different when you're 35, right? We just, some of us need to realize that we're not the center of the universe, that there's a greater, what we're a part of is bigger than who we are. And we, we've got to know that, that this world does not revolve around who we are. Listen, if this hasn't been more obvious via social media, I don't know what is. Do you know that the Oxford Dictionary literally just made selfie a word? What are we coming to, people? I just, this might be a little bit challenging for some, but I just want to talk about selfies for a moment. <laughs> You know, Psychology Today magazine said that people who take excessive selfies show signs of narcissism. And I'm like, duh. <laughs> right? I mean, l listen, if you're here and, and you take selfies, no shame or judgment. If you, would, next time, would you just hashtag, you know, like my name in there somehow so I can just, you know, make, like it and all that stuff. But there's also a study that's showing that the National Health Institute of Health actually showed that I think it's like 20 or 10 or 15 or 20 percent of, of people in their 20s struggle with narcissism. I was like, why just people in their 20s? I think that goes all the way up the chain, 30s and 40s. I mean, listen, even in, in the church world, there's this new thing that pastors like to post pictures of themselves and what they preached about or videos of themselves preaching. It, I'm like, what in the world? Look at me. Look what I said. Oh, I'm amazing. I don't understand it. I literally don't understand it. Like, it, it's baffling to me. And, and I think, man, that's the spiritual leadership of our country right now. Uh, so y'all, it feels awkward in here. I don't know why y'all feel awkward. Are y'all preaching and doing that? Because maybe I'm not trying to talk. I'm just, all I'm saying is maybe we'll move on. Uh, we've got to go all in for the right things. Man, I just... It can't be. It can't be us. It's a. It's a call of Jesus. Is this is part of what we're called to go all in? It's what He wants from followers. But you know, number two, I mean, this is probably the most important one. All in is expressed in our dedication to His church. Let me go ahead and invite the worship team to come on up. Being all in is expressed in our dedication to His church. The church is the essential component of His plan to reach. A lost and dying world. Hey, right here, guys, listen. The church is God's idea, not man's idea. I mean, this, this, I'm not talking about the movement church. I'm talking about the church. 
But there's also something to be involved in the local church. And you know what the church is? This is the crazy part. You. you not this building. Not the senior leadership. You are the church. Which means if you are taking a laissez-faire attitude toward faith, the church is taking a laissez-faire attitude towards faith. If you and I become apathetic to the needs of our community, guess what? The church is apathetic to the needs of our community. I didn't design it this way. God did. And listen, there is no greater way to be all in than to, to show the dedication to his church. And for some reason, there's a disconnect with people here. Especially in the, the generation we walk through now. I go to this church for a Sunday morning service and this church for worship. And I go to this church for a connect group. And then I'm not really engaged anywhere. There's no real community. It's just a shelter of an existence of an organization that has a URL. And we forget the fact that we really are the church as an individual. Which means that the church is mobile, not because the movement church is mobile, but because you take the church with you when you go to work. But because you take the church with you when you go home and you're a mom or a husband or a wife or a sister. You are the church at home. Because when you go into your neighborhood, pull into your garage, shut the door behind you and not know the names of the people who live to the right and the left, except for when you get mail to say hi and walk back in, the church becomes apathetic to the community we're called to reach. And I think one of the, the tools, one of the primary things that the enemy has done is got us thinking that faith is about a feeling only. I just, I feel connected. I prayed a prayer. Congratulations. There's still more to do. I feel connected. To, I read the word. Great. But whose life are you impacting? You know, I'm convinced that God looks at this building, Charger Hall at El Toro High School. I pray he doesn't see the... White speckles here. I'm praying to cover these with some black paint soon. <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> but I, I, I feel like he's so stoked when we sing about how good he is. You're never going to let, you're never going to let me down. And he loves the community outside and grabbing coffee and that we're in connect groups. And he loves that we're giving of our service and we're on a, a team. And if you're not on a team, why not? Stop hiding behind something and jump on a team. You, you are here today as a result of somebody being on a team. That's another Sunday, and we'll talk about that. And I think he's excited about that. But I actually believe in the midst of being excited about what we're doing on Sunday... That he's got his eyes just on the outside and he's distracted by the lost who aren't here yet. And there's a story that talks about this in the word. And it's a story called the prodigal son. And I'm skipping through my notes so the team's going to have a hard time sticking with me. But that's okay. And the story has three chief characters in it. And one of the characters is one that I identify with wholeheartedly. He's the wayward son. And he said, Dad, 
I'm tired of living this life. I want my inheritance now. I'm out. And the dad, being a good father, says, okay, I'll give it to you, but I'm just going to tell you it's not worth it. And the son leaves. And the Bible says he spends everything that he has. And he had friends for a moment, but they were friends because he had money. And then he spends everything he has, and he ends up eating from a pig trough. And he has this revelation that, man, the servants in my father's house have it better than this. I'm going back home just to ask, to beg, please take me back as a servant. The Bible says that he came running home and the father was on the front porch looking out at the horizon daily. We assume going, where's my son and when is he coming home? There's another character in this story. And it's the older brother. You don't want to be like the older brother. The older brother stayed at home. He got upset because the father threw a party when the wayward son came home. You see, the, the older brother, he was so close to the father, but he had forgotten the heart of the father. And he stopped paying attention to the fact that he was able to have a party at any time. He lived in the home. He had rights to the fattened calf. He could do whatever he wanted. The father was like, man, I love you, and that hasn't changed. But the story's really about the dad who daily went out to the front porch looking out, saying, man, when is my son coming home? And I don't know if you realize this, but there are sons and daughters who are desperate to get connected to the Father. And they're waiting for you to show them the map. You know what the map is? It's your life. It's your story. It's not me. I've got my own neighbors. I can't handle yours. It's your story. It's the message of God's redemption in your life. It's the story of how your marriage almost fell apart, but it didn't. Why? By the grace of God. That's the map. And for some reason, we forget this or we neglect this. Or can I just be blatantly honest? We stop living an all-in faith. And we wait on somebody else to do it. And God's going, man, I didn't call you to be kind of in. I called you to be all in. D.L. Moody had a, a statement that he wrote years and years ago. And D.L. Moody was a kind of a spiritual leader back at the turn of the century. And he had revival after revival after revival. And he made this statement that it, it, it actually echoes through the, my mind on a regular basis. He said, the world has yet to see what God will do with and through, and in, and by the man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. The world is yet to see what God will do with, and through, and in, and by the man or woman who is fully and wholly yielded all in to what God wants to do. I had other points to preach, but we're not going to go there today. This whole series is a rally cry for all of us to be all in. To be committed not just to who God is, but to the local church. And if God's doing something in your life, 
Look at me in the eyes for a moment. You have a mandate to bring people with you. When you, when you find a great restaurant, you know what you do? You tell people. Let me just tell you right now. Costa Mesa just opened a restaurant called the Crack Shack. And they sell this sandwich called La Croque. And it's crispy chicken, cheddar, bacon, a fried egg, miso mayo on a brioche bun. Can you smell it right now? It's 15. We should shut down second service and go right now. You can smell it. Some of you may not have a Super Bowl party. You're going to go to the Crack Shack. It's not a drug house, by the way. It's a restaurant. Do you know how I know? I went there, and everybody I, I, I've talked to said, you got to go to the Crack Shack. It's one of the best restaurants around. I mean, listen, if God's done in your life what he's done in my life, we've got to be telling people. He's the hope of the world. And he's never going to let, he's never going to let me down. Are you with me? You're never going to let, you're never going to let me down. If God's really done that in your life, then you better be involved in his church. And you better be bringing people with you. Or you may need to check yourself before you wreck yourself because you may not be all in. I just, just thought of that. I apologize. <laughs> Would you stand to your feet? You're never going to let. We're going to sing this song. And I want to pray for us today that God will challenge our heart and our mind and maybe show each of us today what might have become an idol in our life. In fact, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? God, right now we ask you to illuminate the things that have become a distraction in our devotion, in our walk with you. God, I pray right now that you would begin to illuminate the things that we need to remove, that we've allowed to take the place of who you are. God, we remove fear and doubt, God, discouragement, and we just say we're going to be all in with everything that we've got. We're going to be all in with all that we are because you're a good God. You know, I want to take a moment right here, right now, before we move any further and give people in this room an opportunity to start a relationship with Jesus. That might be the missing link for you. There's a starting point to this journey of faith, and it's not about church membership, and it's not about eradicating or getting rid of your past, but it's a moment, a declaration where I say yes to Jesus, and I invite him into the driver's seat of my life. And I want to give you an opportunity to start that journey today. And with no embarrassment to you, in fact, you can do so in the quietness of your own heart or a small whisper. And in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you've never made this decision, today is your day. Right where you're seated. I want to challenge you to muster all the faith that you can and just simply say yes to him. And listen, some of you in this room have been running from God. You may have prayed a prayer like this years ago, months ago decades ago and you were like that wayward son or daughter said I'm going to go my own way and do my own thing but you've already lived that life and you know what it's not worth it I got to come running back here's the good news you can pray this prayer with me today and Jesus is on the front porch just saying oh come on I've been waiting for this moment so whether you've never prayed this prayer or it's time to pray it again for the first time in a long time. 
If that's you, I want to challenge you to pray it with me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody is looking around. In the quietness of your own heart or a small whisper, just simply utter this prayer with me. Say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me, that you've given me purpose. You've called me by name. You said I'm yours. I'm not perfect, God. Would you forgive me? Now make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.